Whether you're at a table tonight or you're in the back, sort of in the overflow, I want you to be thinking about and preparing yourself for a little bit of a time of discussion. So this is not just about the message tonight, but it's about a time, it's going to just set up conversations. So that's the goal of tonight, is not just to listen to me for the next half hour or whatever, but it's to set up a conversation around those that you're seated near tonight. So be preparing yourself as we go into the Word. One thing about Highland, I know there's a lot of new people here, is that we open the Word and we usually stay in the Word. So when we get there tonight, I'd encourage you just to stay in that passage, and uh, whether it's in a physical Bible or on on your uh, smartphone, whatever it is, we're going to be there tonight. Before we get there, I have a question. Does anybody know a guy, a famous person by the name of Peter Weber? Anybody heard of that name? Uh, There's a few girls in the house that are like, "Uh uh-oh, not that guy, right? Okay, so Peter Weber and some of the guys are like, I've never heard of him, but they're like, yeah, I watched every single episode of The Bachelor this last year, okay? So Peter Weber was the most recent contestant on The Bachelor. I'm definitely not telling you to watch it because I have never watched it in my entire life, and that's a true statement. I don't know a thing about The Bachelor, but I do know that when something crazy happens on The Bachelor, uh, everybody knows about it, right? And I remember being in, it it happened over spring break, the finale of the last season, and I remember being on the other side of the world literally during a pandemic, like President Trump is saying no one else is allowed in the country and we're out of the country on a mission trip with our college ministry and all of this chaos is happening but the biggest story of the week is what Peter Weber did okay and and um and I just remember being like this is wild Peter Weber goes down as one of the most torn reality TV stars ever, right? And so if you don't know about The Bachelor, you know, I don't know where you've been for the last 20 years, but it's basically this show where like 20 people uh, are trying to date the same person and then they're trying to produce an engagement out of that. It sounds like a really silly idea and that's because it is. And, and I remember seeing this article and the online buzz and, and he was this person who was the definition of torn. And here's why. I think after the 40 seasons they've had between The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, he probably goes down as one of the most hated contestants of all time because of this. He was convinced by his mom to choose this first girl. Her name was Hannah Ann, all right? And Hannah Ann and him, he was was convinced by his mother after a whole season of being torn. Who do I pick? What do I do? Chaos ensuing. He finally lets mom decide after all of this chaos, Hannah Ann. And then so he, you know, proposes, but then he calls off the engagement and he he starts to uh, fall for, uh, you know, one of the other contestants by the name of Madison, but that didn't work out. And now all of a sudden he's happily dating Kelly, who didn't even make his top four on the TV show, okay? So, I mean, I, trust me, I don't care about any of this, but it's sort of on my news feed. And as I was reading about it in the last couple of weeks, actually, I thought this is the perfect example of someone who's torn. If there's ever been a parallel between a reality TV star and who we're going to talk about tonight from the Word of God, it's Peter, all right? And it's Peter, not Peter from the Bible, but Peter Weber, all right? And Peter Weber is going to be who we're talking about tonight, though, is, is Jeremiah chapter 37. tells us about a character by the name of King Zedekiah, King Zedekiah. That's Jeremiah chapter 37. If you've got your Bible, your smartphone, if you're new to the Bible, totally okay. The middle of the, uh, of the Bible is going to be the book of Psalms. If you kind of go to the right, you're going to hit a big book called Isaiah. Right after that, you're going to find Jeremiah. We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 37, but we're going to zoom in on a character. And that character is not Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the hero and the, 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 the sort of Christian superhero of the story. King Zedekiah is, is sort of the anti-hero. He's sort of this person that's always uh, on the opposite end of what God is wanting to do in many cases. He was a man who was always on the fence. Zedekiah was always torn. He was always changing his position depending on who he was talking to or who had his ear last, just like Peter on the TV show with his mom or his heart or, or whatever's happening, right? He's, he's always just changing his opinion depending on who he's around. And ultimately, it cost Zedekiah so much. It cost him those around him, their lives. It cost him his sight. It cost him his kingdom. And eventually, he died in captivity. And I got to tell you that I think many in the room tonight are torn 
even the person who's standing up here on the stage right now, myself. We're constantly entering, to, entering into temptation where we are feeling torn, right? Where, where we could go with godliness or we could go with sin or we could have another season that looked like being on the fence where we flirt with faithfulness or we can have a season before us where we, we go all in with God and everything is just different when we listen to God and we obey God. And, and, and the question that we gotta ask is who will we be, who will we be this year? Will, will I let the, the addiction control me again? Will, will, I let, will I be able to say no to the sin and yes to God this year? Will I keep sitting on the fence? Will I keep hoping that I do what is right? Will I sit up there wondering what I'm going to do? There's freedom for the one who's torn tonight. And we can see that in the word. That's what we're going to talk about around these tables. And so here we are in Jeremiah chapter 37. If you don't know much about the Bible and what's been going on, or if you do, just to tell you where we've been, God has this special group of people called the, called the Israelites. And the Israelites, they are his sort of special nation, and he has given them so many grace and so much gifts and, and all of these things. Like he loves them so much. He's protected them. He's set them up. He's put them in these great places. And yet they continue to be torn. They continue to be sinful. They continue to be idolatrous and to worship other gods and to forget about God himself. And it's this tension back and forth, and it's gone on for so long that God finally brings condemnation down on them through the form of a group called the Babylonians, and they sort of overtake God's people, the Israelites. This is just basically called out by God and say, go and wipe them out, take them into captivity, and we're picking it up right here. And this king is amazing. I love it because he's the final earthly king of this nation of Israel, and he's also 21 years old. How many of you are 21 in this room right now? Anybody turning 21 today? Okay, that would be cool. All right, so 21, but there are 21-year-olds in this house, right? King Zedekiah is a lot like you. Let's look at his life when he was sitting on the fence and what happened to him. So here we're going to start in Jeremiah chapter 37, verse 1. Zedekiah, son of Josiah, was made king of Judah by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He reigned in place of Jehonachin, son of Jehokim. Okay, Jehokin and Jehokim. All right, sounds like me saying Drew, son of Droop, or something like that, like really creative, right, these guys. Uh, but, but there's all these names, all these people. The main thing you need to know is Zedekiah is this king set up right here. He's 21 years old. Here's our, two of our key texts. Neither he, that's Zedekiah, nor his attendants, nor the people of the land paid any attention to the words the Lord had spoken through Jeremiah the prophet. King Zedekiah, however, sent Jekul, son of Shemel, <laughs> Shelmiah, uh, the son and the priest of Zephaniah, son of Messiah, to uh, Jeremiah, the prophet, a lot of rhyming names with this message, please pray to the Lord our God for us. So erase all those names. Here's what happens. King Zedekiah and all his buddies, they don't want to listen to God, but they want to go to God's man, Jeremiah, and they want him to say, hey, will you pray for us? So here's the first thing, if you're taking notes, whether it's in your phone or in your notebook or just in your mind, the first thing is this, is that King Zedekiah, he wanted the blessing without the obedience. He wanted the blessing without the obedience. And this is what it's like when you sit on the fence, when you're torn. I want you to notice what it said is that Zedekiah paid no attention to the words of the Lord. Right? Jeremiah's not, it's not just like the words that are in the scripture. But it's like Jeremiah has been telling him what to do. Literally saying what God wants you to do. How many of you in life are like, God, tell me what to do? Should I date this person? Should I go to this school? Should I drop out of school? Should I enroll in this? Should I be in this organization? And you're just like, God, if you would just tell me. And this guy literally has God telling him what to do. There's this key word, though, in verse 3 for, for my translation. It says, however, he paid no attention to the word of the Lord, but however, he wanted God's blessing. 
And and from the original promises of God back to the beginning of this nation of Israel, here we are at the end of it uh, in this season. And from the very beginning back in the book of Deuteronomy, you don't have to turn there, but but there was sort of this, this relationship, this understanding between God and his people. And it was simply this, if you'll just obey me and walk in obedience, then you'll receive my blessings. But if you try to walk on your own and and think that you're prideful enough to do it without me, then you'll experience the curse. Blessing or the curse. All I want is is just your worship. All I want is is to partner with you and and your humility and my ability. And God's saying, I'll give you the blessings. But people continued to live in this tension on the fence. And Zedekiah was the chief amongst them. And and Jeremiah, this, this character Jeremiah, he's this mouthpiece for God. He's the prophet. And over the last 40 years, he's been saying This is what you should do. This is what you should do. Giving all this out. But King Zedekiah and all of his buddies, all of his boys, they didn't pay any attention to God's word. Look back at your text, verse 2. It says they didn't pay any attention to God's word. But they certainly wanted, verse 3, God's help. That's what these two verses are telling us. They didn't pay attention, but they wanted God's help. And, And here's an important question for us tonight. As I was meditating on this, praying into this, God really convicted me with this. Is are we are we paying attention to God? Or do we just want his attention? Right? Are we paying attention to God? Or do we just want his attention? Because this is the, the king of the universe. This is the person, the, the being who created everything and who redeemed everything and who is, who's coming into our life and saying, I want to be a part of your life, your small little life. And yet many times we don't pay attention to that kind of a God. But we, we, certainly, we certainly want his, att- his attention. We certainly want him when we pray, when we need help. And I want you to notice that word in, in uh, verse 3. My, my version, the one that was on the screen, it says that King Zedekiah, however, after all of that, not paying attention, however, he wanted God's attention. Right? That word, if you want to underline it in your Bible, if it's NIV, it says however. Uh, some other translations say nevertheless or yet. And, and it's kind of this different ver- word you might see there. But I wanted you to think about that word however. The however's in your life. These moments, they're opportunities for repentance or, or, they're, or they're the evidence of being on the fence and being torn and, and heading towards ungodliness. Everybody in this room, myself included, and everybody you've ever met has a verse two of their life, struggling to pay attention to God, struggling to walk in godliness, struggling to, to honor God in, on, the, on the big stage and when nobody's watching. Everybody has a verse two and everybody's got a however right? And the question is, what is, the, what is following your however? What is your verse three of your life? Is it however I started to pay attention to God? Like this year, 2020, however I, I started to, to pay attention to God, to listen to God, to turn my life towards God, and amazing blessings and things started to come into my life as I walked in obedience. Or is it however I just didn't want to pay attention to God, I just wanted his attention? This is, is an example for us. It's this opportunity for us to look into the life of this king and say, I don't want to be a guy who just wants the blessing without the obedience. I, I want the relationship. I want the obedience, and I want God's blessing in the midst of that. So let's continue reading. I want you to jump down to verse 16 for me. We just skipped about 13 verses, and this is going to be kind of our, our last little section before we go to the tables, and then we'll come back and teach again and do tables again. We kind of go back and forth this evening. But Chapter 37, verse 16, it's going to pick the story back up. Basically, what you need to know is that Jeremiah, this man of God, has been wrongfully thrown into prison, and he's sitting in prison, and it's the perfect place for the king to come and talk to him because now he has a reason to talk to him because the king is so worried about what other people would think about him 
that, that he doesn't want them to, to see him talking to, to Jeremiah. So he's like, oh, now I have this opportunity to go talk to this guy and it not look like that I'm, I'm on the fence, maybe thinking about going with God or maybe sticking with the guys who say we shouldn't go with God. Let's keep reading in verse 16. It's gonna be on the screens as well. Jeremiah was put into a vaulted cell in a dungeon where he remained a long time. And then King Zedekiah sent for him and, and had him brought to the palace where he asked him privately, is there any word from the Lord? I want you to stop there and know that if you had been reading all the previous you know, part of Jeremiah, you would know that the word has been coming from, the, from God over and over and over again, and it's never changed. And here's what Jeremiah says, yes. That's all he says. And then he says, you'll be delivered into the hands of the king of Babylon. And here's what the word of God was. Jeremiah chapter 21, it, it tells us that the, the word of God was this. You will be delivered into the hands of Babylon one way or the other. Either you can surrender and live, or you can run and you can fight and you can die. That was the option. That was the opportunity before the king, before the people. Surrender and live or fight and die. But either way, you go into the hands of the king of Babylon. Verse 18, let's keep reading a couple more verses. Then Jeremiah said to King Zedekiah, what crime have I committed against you or your attendants or this people that you have put me in prison? Where are your prophets who prophesied to you? The king of Babylon will not attack you or this land. But now, my lord, the king, please listen. Let me bring my petition before you. Do not send me back to the house of Jonathan, the secretary, or I will die there. He's just asking, saying, will you get me out of this place? Like, you have the opportunity to get me out of prison. I did nothing wrong. Would you please get me out of this? In verse 21, King Zedekiah then gave the orders for Jeremiah to be placed in the courtyard of the guard and given a loaf of bread from the street of the bakers each day until all the bread in the city was gone. So Jeremiah remained in the courtyard of the guard. Here's the second thing before we go to the tables is this. Zedekiah, he wanted the fruition of his desires instead of God's word. He wanted to see his desire, his plan come to fruition instead of just listening to God and just going with God. And, and, and it caused him to sit on the fence. I want you to, to remember that in verse 17, Zedekiah, he's, he's hoping for this different answer from God. Not because he hadn't heard from God, but because he didn't like the first word and the word that kept being repeated to him over and over and over again, which was, if you surrender, you will live. He didn't like that, and his buddies didn't like that. And so he kept going back to God and saying, God, I want a new answer. I want a new word. And his friends didn't like this word, and he didn't like this word, and so it put him on the fence of, do I want to go with God or do I want to go with my heart, with my friends? And I wonder, how many times do we not listen to God, but we just keep coming back for him, hoping, hoping for a new answer, right? We just, we, we, hear, we know what God's saying. We feel the conviction in our heart. Should, should I keep dating this person? Should I be friends with this group any longer? Should I still have this app on my phone should I keep walking in this secret sin, God? And you come to the altar, you pray in your room, you're in conviction, and you hear a word from God, and it's like week after week, month after month, season after season, you hear that same word from God about what to do, but then you go back to God, you know, sad, mourning your sin, asking God, God, I don't want to be on the fence anymore. What is the word from you? And you keep hearing the same thing. I'll just ask again and again, and it's like a magic eight ball. I just shake it and hope that I get a different answer this time. I mean, it's such a privilege to be able to hear from God in the first place. The fact that God would speak to Zedekiah, the fact that God would speak to you and me, it's such a privilege that God would do it, and then we treat him like that. We, we hear from God. We don't like it. And so we go back and we try again while we keep doing what God had said for us not to do in the first place. And it's just this cycle of God, I want a word. This is what Zedekiah kept doing. God, I want a word. And it's like, I got a word. It's the same word I gave you last time. Do we want a relationship or do we just want God's spiritual phone number to call him when we need him? You know, when you, if you ever buy a truck, 
you become the truck guy in your friend group, right? It's like, I'm moving, I bought a piano, or I bought a television, I can't move my bed, I'm moving 12 hours away, can you, can you drive with me for the weekend? I mean, you become that person that they just call, and it's like, I haven't talked to you in months, and now you want me to give my entire Saturday up with my truck. This is how we treat God, like the truck guy of our life. God, can you just, can you just over and over and over again, and look at what Zedekiah tried to do. He, he, in verse 21, he, he, he tries to, to make a, this, this peace with God. He tries to appease God with this small half action of faith. You're gonna talk about this at your tables in a minute. This small half action of faith, but, but he won't listen to what God is telling him to do. And so what he does is he says, hey, you know what? I'm gonna, God's man is Jeremiah, so I'm gonna let him have this kind of upgrade, like first class prison where he gets, you know, all of these sort of amenities and it's a better situation and he gets bread and, and all of these things. And, but it's just this little half action of faith. And this is what we do too. It's like, oh, I had a bad Saturday night. I'm going to go to church on Sunday morning. Or I'm definitely going to read my quiet time five days this week because I've really been struggling lately. Or I'm going to start reading that Christian marriage book with my boyfriend or girlfriend because we've been struggling physically together. Or these sort of things. We sort of appease God with these half actions of faith. I mean, it's over and over in the Bible. It's over and over in my life. It's over and over in your life, I'm sure, if you're thinking about it. But see, God doesn't want these small half actions of faith where we're just torn and we're sitting on the fence and we're doing a little thing here and then a little thing there and we're just sort of living on the edge, torn between godliness, flirting with faithfulness. And we think that surrounding ourselves with religion or going through these motions of faith, will, that, that it'll produce something in us, but the truth is it will not produce a heart after God. And that's what we're gonna see in this. Zedekiah, he wanted the fruition of his desires, the words that he hoped would happen, instead of the words of God. And I ask, what about you? So we're gonna click pause right here. I know a lot of you in this room, this is your first time with us at the college ministry. What we do is we do uh, about a little teaching time like that and then we go to the tables and you've got a table leader. You're, you've got some questions on your table. Those same questions are, the, are on the screen behind me. So if you don't have a paper or you can't see the paper, you can see the screen. If you can't see the screen, you can see the paper. And we're gonna have about eight minutes here to answer three questions. If you're not at a table, I wanna encourage you in the back of the room to just turn to those who are around you, two, three, four people, and work through some of these conversations. I know the temptation is gonna be just to wait eight minutes, but really this is where the good stuff starts to happen. So I'm gonna give you about eight minutes, and then I'll come back up, we'll finish up this passage, and then we'll, we'll uh, go back to the tables again. All right, ready, set, let's go. Table leaders, take over. Hey, if you're listening to this sermon from home, we'd like to share with you the discussion questions we talked about at college night. Here's part one. Number one. Earlier, the question was asked, are we paying attention to God or do we just want his attention? What does it mean to pay attention to God? How would someone do that consistently in their life? Question two, read Philippians 1, 9 through 11. What do you see here that applies to our conversation about being spiritually torn? What does it say about Jesus? Question three, King Zedekiah tried to appease God with small half actions of faith, but that didn't produce a heart fully after God. What are some ways that we can try this same strategy, hoping to impress God for a moment instead of giving him our full life? All right, everybody, let's keep going here. It's okay if you didn't finish. Totally okay. We're going to have another time of discussion. If you're right in the middle of a great conversation, pick it back up when we get back to discussion. We have one more time of that. I want you to get back to the Word. I want the Word to continue to drive us tonight. This story, we're going to pick it back up in Jeremiah chapter 38. Remember, we've, we've been looking at his life and seeing all of these sort of fruits of being on the fence, 
or being torn. And, and here we go. We're going to pick it up, though, in verse 4. And we're talking about King Zedekiah and all of his buddies who, who don't like Jeremiah and don't like God's ways. And they're sort of that one side of the fence that goes against God. Verse 4. Then the officials, all these buddies, they said to the king, this man should be put to death, that being Jeremiah, because they don't like what he has to say. Uh, he's discouraging the soldiers who are left in the city as well as all the people by all the things he's saying to them. This man is not seeking the good of the people, but their ruin. You know what? That's pretty good advice. If, if this one dude is saying to them, hey, you know what? Honestly, the best play is just to surrender. Like the best play is not to fight. The best play is, is, is not to run. It's just to surrender. And that's the play, right? To have some friends who come to you and say, that is just discouraging our men. That seems like good advice. But sometimes the word of the Lord is the opposite of what makes sense. And we need to remember that, that it's not just what makes sense in front of us, but it's like I'm hearing something from God and I need to listen to that. Let's keep going. Verse five, here's what the king says to his friends. He, Jeremiah, is in your hands. The king can do nothing to oppose you. So they took Jeremiah and they put him into this cistern. And the cistern is like this big, deep sort of just pit with mud and sort of water at the bottom of it. And, and basically you drop somebody in there and, and, and it's no good. And, and he dro they drop him into this pit and they lowered Jeremiah by the ropes into the cistern. And it had no water in it, only mud. And Jeremiah sank down into the mud. It's like quicksand. But Abedmelech, a Cushite, an official in the royal palace, he heard that they had put Jeremiah into the cistern. And when the king was sitting at, at, in the Benjamin gate, Abedmelech, he, he went out of the palace, he went out of the palace and he said to him, to the king, my lord, the king, these men have acted wickedly in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet and they have thrown him into the cistern where he will starve to death when there is no longer any bread in the city. And then the king commanded Abedmelech the Cushite, take 30 men from here with you and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the cistern before he dies as if he didn't know he was there. He's like, oh my goodness, like, yeah, we gotta get him out, go get him. Verse 11, so Abedmelech, he, he took the men with him and he went into the room under the treasury in the palace. He took some of the old rags and worn out clothes from there, tied them together for ropes for Jeremiah in the cistern. And Abedmelech at the Cushite said to Jeremiah, put these old rags and worn out clothes under your arms to pad the ropes. Jeremiah did so and they pulled him up with the ropes and lifted him out of the cistern. And Jeremiah remained in the courtyard of the guard. Let's stop there in our story. Here's the third thing that we can see being torn like King Zedekiah is that he wanted to please everyone. He wanted to please everyone. He was always going with, he always went with whoever the last person had, who had his ear. Whether it was the officials, when they had his attention, he went with them. As soon as this other guy comes up and saying we should do the complete opposite thing, he goes with him. And I, I think it's just wild that in verse 5, when the officials come to him and say, we need to basically kill Jeremiah, we need to put him in the cistern, the king, it says in verse 5, if you look back, it says, the king can do nothing to oppose you. That's what the king says, which is just totally whack and not true. He can do whatever he wanted. He's the king. And the reason we know that is because like three verses later, he does whatever he wants. He's the king and he pulls him right out. But here's the truth, the little nugget that I hope you pull out of this, is that when you're torn, when you're on the fence, you'll be influenced by what is lesser than you. When you sit on the fence, what is lesser than you will influence your decisions. Things that you have power over. The king had power to say, no, we're not gonna do that. This is God's man. The last thing we're gonna do is try to kill him. But instead, what was lesser than him influenced him because he was sitting on the fence. And Christian, you have the power over sin. You can say no to sin in Jesus' name. You can live a godly life. You don't have to give in. Those things that are lesser than you now do not have to have control over your actions. You don't have to give your ear to those things anymore. 
So how about you? How about me? Who has our, ear, our ears? How do we respond when we are after church? Where are we leaning when we come after church or, or during our personal devotional time or, or, or during when we're leaving vertical, when we're watching vertical or, or these different things? Who has our ear then? And then who has our ear when we're in temptation or when we have this opportunity to go against what is godly living, when we're torn, we're, we're influenced by what is lesser than us? And being torn kept me like this in this cycle of sin for such a long time when I was in middle school, high school, and even some of college of just this sort of, I'm one person when I'm around God's stuff and I'm another person when I'm not. And sort of whoever had my ear last, it was this opportunity to listen to them and, and to give them my heart, to give them my actions. And, and I'm sure that you're sensing this torn, or if it's not a current thing in your life, you remember this in your testimony. You can listen to God, you can listen to truth, and you can say yes to him and you can say no to the other things. Let's finish the text today and, and get our last point and then go back to the tables as we wrap up tonight. Verse 14, let's pick the story back up. Then King Zedekiah, he sent for Jeremiah, this guy that he just put in the, the cistern and then he just pulled him out. So he sends him to himself, he calls for him and he had him brought to the third entrance of the temple of the Lord. I'm gonna ask you something, he says. The king said to Jeremiah, do not hide anything from me. And Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, if I give you an answer, will you not kill me like you just tried to do, he's saying? Even if I give you counsel, would you not listen to me? And the king Zedekiah swore an oath secretly, important note there, he's not willing to do it publicly because then his friends would know that. So secretly he swears an oath to him. He sort of pulls him in close and he says, as surely as the Lord lives who has given us breath, I will neither kill you nor hand you over to those who want to kill you. All right, that's between you and me, buddy. All right, we're buddies now, okay? Verse 17, Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, okay, then this is what the Lord, the God Almighty, the God of Israel says. Again, the same word. If you surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon, your life will be spared and the city will not be burned down. You and your family will live. But if you will not surrender to the officers, the same word that he's been hearing over and over again, the king of Babylon, the city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians and they will burn it down. You yourself will not escape from them. This is our key verse for this passage right here. King Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, I am afraid, underline that phrase, I am afraid of the Jews who have gone over to the Babylonians. For the Babylonians may hand me over to them and they will mistreat me. And they will not hand you over, Jeremiah replied. Obey the Lord. He's saying, listen to the Lord. Walk in obedience by doing what I tell you and then it will go well for you and your life will be spared. But verse 21 says, but if you refuse to surrender, and this is what the Lord has revealed to me. And I'm not even going to read it because it just, it just goes on and on and on about what will happen. So we're going to stop there at verse 21. Here's the fourth and final thing, and then we'll go to the tables. King Zedekiah, he wanted to do what was right, but he always had an excuse. He wanted to do what was right, but he always had an excuse. His excuse was that he was afraid. And, and excuses will keep you on the fence just like they did with King Zedekiah. And the truth is that flirting with faithfulness, being torn will produce fear, will produce insecurity in your life because you're not just going with God or going against him. When you sit on the fence, the only thing it produces is fear because all you have is unknown both directions. Think about it. All you say all the time is, if I just knew what was gonna happen, I'd be at peace. Like, I don't even really care what happens. It's just like being in this place of unknown. And that's what it's like to be on the fence is that we're in this waiting period that we've given to ourselves because we're sitting on the fence of faithfulness and then it brings anxiety and fear and excuses. And so I ask you tonight, what is your excuse? What is my excuse? What am I afraid of? What are my fears? And I'm guessing that by staying torn on the fence, if you've been there for a while, you're, you're only making those fears worse and bigger 
in your life. And, and in the end, what happens, I'd encourage you to continue reading this story in the coming days as you go to the word in your personal time. But King Zedekiah, he, he chooses uh, to not listen to the word of God and to not follow what God says, and it costs him greatly. It costs him everything. He's hanging on the fence, thinking that maybe that's the best idea to weigh his options, to see what happens. Maybe I can just get one more year of this thing, of this way of living that I kind of like, but I kind of want to live godly. Maybe this is my last opportunity, one more chance. And then it it all comes crashing in on him. And in closing, I just, I want to take this to a higher plane for us. Not just this story, not just our life, but I want to take it to a higher plane for us before we get to this last discussion time is that on your own, you will not be strong enough to jump off of the fence. And at best, you're gonna flirt with faithfulness this year. At best, I'm gonna flirt with faithfulness this year when I'm on my own. Our hearts are torn, and this temptation isn't going anywhere, but our only hope is through Jesus. Our only hope is to take that ourself and say, Lord, I'm on the fence, and I sit this at your feet. I humbly bring it to you, God, and I need you to help me to get off the fence every single day. It's not a thing that happens only tonight. It's going to happen to you tomorrow morning, and you say, God, today, I don't want to be on the fence. I want to be at your feet. Today, I don't want to be on the fence. I don't want to flirt with faithfulness, God. I want to be faithful. Jesus, help me to do those things, and watch this. Zedekiah, he, he had the blessing. He wanted the blessing without the obedience, but Jesus, he, he got the blessing, and he lived in obedience. Right, Zedekiah, he, he wanted the fruition of his desire over God's desires, but, but all that Jesus did was submitted himself fully and obeyed God fully. He lowered himself even to death on a cross. Zedekiah, he wanted to please others, but Jesus, he just wanted to please the Father. And then Zedekiah, he always had an excuse, but Jesus never needed one. These are your options. You can live torn like, like mankind, like Zedekiah, like you and me, or you can, you can live with Jesus and he'll get you off the fence. He'll get you off of this tense tearing in your life where you're like, I don't know what to do and I'm afraid and there's always an excuse and there's always someone to please and there's always something and it's just exhausting. And Jesus says, just, just sub me in, bro. Just sub me in. Let me take this for you every single day. My only hope is Jesus. My only freedom from the life of being torn is Jesus. And you can get free from that tension tonight, back and forth, back and forth. It's completely possible, but by your best efforts, it's not. Only by your humility before Jesus Christ. That's the message of King Zedekiah, is not to live like him, but to live like Jesus and to let Jesus be the one that gets you off the fence. So let's go back to our tables. Again, we've got a few more questions. If you want to turn back to your tables, table leaders, you can lead us in this time. And then when we're finished in just about eight minutes, I'm going to Uh, come back up here and close us out in prayer and we're going to close out in a song of worship and then we'll be done for the evening. So table leaders, you can take it away now. Here are the discussion questions for part two. Question one, King Zedekiah was a people pleaser and was easily swayed by the last person to have his ear. What about you? Are you like that with others? Are you like that with godliness versus temptation? What fruit has that produced in your life? Question two, When you are torn, you are influenced by what is lesser than you, specifically the powers of darkness that are enemies of God in his ways. Read Ephesians 1, 17-21 as a table. How does this encourage your faith as a Christian empowered by Jesus? Question 3. In what way are you most like Zedekiah from what we discussed tonight? How can you walk with God differently and look more like Jesus and less like this torn king? Go ahead and stand up together. We're going to close out in a song of worship. And as we do this, I just want to remind you, I just want to tell you what we've already said before, right? I hope you've been talking about this at your tables. But here's what I know is true about God. Jesus specializes 
and people who are spiritually torn, who, who are flirting with faithfulness, but they're not living in faithfulness. That's Jesus' specialty. If you look in the Bible, like all of his closest buddies, they were always on the fence. But when Jesus got a hold of their life, when they got the full picture of Jesus, their life was transformed, and they're etched in Christian history as some of the greatest believers of all time. Not because they weren't on the fence, they were always on the fence, but when Jesus got a hold of their life, they became fully faithful. And that could be you, that can be me. And so tonight, as we just continue to worship, we're gonna sing this song, and it's not a song about what can I do, it's just simply a song to call us to Jesus and just to go to him in humility. I would ask that you do that, whether it's the posture of your heart or the posture of your hands, or if you want to get on your knees, whatever it is, your attention, whether you sing or you listen or you pray, that you would go to the God right now, that you would go to the Father, that you would go to Jesus, and that you would receive what he has for you tonight. Not what you have, but what he has. Let's sing in faith tonight. <laughs>